Hey there, I'm Rich Grimshaw, and this is the Daily Podcast Practice Show for Saturday, July 10 of 2021. Welcome to the 140th consecutive daily show about nothing in particular. (laughs) Just nothing. So if you've listened to all 140, thank you. You're obviously a family member or a fellow podcaster who has way too much time on his hand, maybe. So I'm one day away from my adventure yesterday at Dayton, Tennessee, and I was eager to refresh my memory about the Scopes trial. So naturally, I went to Wikipedia, the free multilingual open collaborative online encyclopedia created and maintained by a community of volunteer contributors using a wiki-based editing system. And this is what I found. I was shocked, just shocked. I didn't know all this stuff. Heck, I thought it was just about evolution, but no. Uh, It was formerly known as the State of Tennessee versus John Thomas Scopes and commonly referred to as the Scopes Monkey Trial. It's a legal case in July 1925 in which a high school teacher, John T. Scopes, was accused of violating Tennessee's Butler Act, which made it illegal to teach about human evolution. All right, that's the part that I understood. It was all about that. Here's what I didn't know. The trial was deliberately staged in order to attract publicity to the small town of Dayton, Tennessee. <laughs> wow, what a marketing coup in 1925. The, uh, the accused, Mr. Scopes, wasn't sure whether he'd ever actually taught evolution, but he incriminated himself deliberately so the case could have a defendant. He was found guilty and he was fined $100, which is equivalent to $1,500 in today's money. Not in Bitcoin, but in U.S. fiat currency. But later, the verdict was overturned on a technicality. The trial served its purpose of drawing intense national publicity as national reporters flocked to Dayton to cover the big-name lawyers who had agreed to represent each side. William Jennings Bryant, three-time presidential candidate and former Secretary of State, argued for the prosecution, while Clarence Darrow served as the defense attorney for Scopes. The American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, offered to defend anyone accused of teaching the theory of evolution in defiance of the Butler Act that uh, Tennessee had uh, enacted. So on April 5 of 1925, George Rapplier, I can't go there, Local manager for the Cumberland Coal and Iron Company arranged a meeting with County Superintendent of Schools Walter White and local attorney Sue K. Hicks at Robinson's Drug Store, convincing them that the controversy of such a trial would give Dayton much-needed publicity. According to Robinson, Rapplier said, As it is, the law is not enforced. If you win, it will be enforced. If I win, a law will be repealed. We're game, aren't we? The men then summoned 24-year-old John T. Scopes, a Dayton High School science and math teacher, and asked him to admit to teaching the theory of evolution. Replier pointed out that while the Butler Act prohibited the teaching of the theory of evolution, the state required teachers to use a textbook that explicitly described and endorsed the theory of evolution, and that teachers were therefore effectively required to break the law. Scopes mentioned that while he couldn't remember whether he actually taught evolution in class, he had, however, gone through the evolution chart and chapter with the class. He added to the group, quote, If you can prove that I've taught evolution and that I can qualify as a defendant, then I'll be willing to stand trial, unquote. 
Scopes urged students to testify against him and coached them in their answers. He was indicted on May 25 after three students testified against him at the grand jury. One student afterwards told reporters, I believe in part of evolution, but I don't believe in the monkey business. Quote, unquote. Judge John T. Ralston accelerated the convening of the grand jury and, quote, all but instructed the grand jury to indict Scopes, despite the meager evidence against him and the widely reported stories questioning whether the willing defendant had ever taught evolution in the classroom, unquote. <laughs> so he was charged, they went to trial, and he was found guilty. And what a big deal. But here's the deal. Uh, where I have to find out. It's a long article. Oh, I forgot about this part. Uh, Scopes lawyers appealed to the Supreme Court of Tennessee, uh, but that didn't make it. Uh, the appeal was not granted, or it was granted, but it was the ruling of the lower court was was upheld. Uh, but where do they go into? Oh, come on! I can't find it. <laughs> But somewhere in this article, it says that the $100 fine was dismissed on a technicality, and I can't recall what it was. But I just find that so funny. The town wanted the trial so that it could draw national attention to it. And I don't know that I've ever heard of another, another, another situation like that. I find that uh, extraordinary. Uh, one other item in... The Wikipedia article, which is that in a $1 million restoration of the Rhea County Courthouse in Dayton completed in 1979, the second floor courtroom was restored to its appearance during the Scopes trial. A museum of trial events in its basement contains such memorabilia as the microphone used to broadcast the trial, trial records, photographs, and an audiovisual history. Every July, and it is now July, and I was there yesterday in July, July 9th, Local people reenact key moments of the trial in the courtroom. In front of the courthouse stands a commemorative plaque erected by the Tennessee Historical Commission, which reads as follows, and I read that to you in the podcast from the road yesterday. Isn't that exciting? You were there. And, and it was so important that it made its way into Wikipedia. How often does that happen? Let's do a question, why don't we? Because I've got a little bit of time left before we just totally run out of time here. I'm going to go to question number 130, which somehow I skipped over. How do you make yourself sleep when you can't seem to get to sleep? Well, here's the deal, folks. I can't make myself sleep. I just can't do it. And I often have nights where I can't get to sleep. And that's been my life like forever. So there was a time when I was really, really struggling with getting to sleep. I found a relaxation method that did work for me. I practiced and I got pretty good at it. I could just kind of quiet my mind, focus on my breath, and count down from three. I would count three, 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 two, 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 one, 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 and just focus on my breathing. And more often than that, that would get me to sleep. And I did that for years and years and years. And then somehow the stress in my life was relieved. I don't recall which part of this time it was. And I was once again able to fall asleep okay. These days, though, I still have trouble falling asleep. And I, I know what the problem is. I stay up too late doing podcasts and watching uh, 
and looking at a computer screen and the blue light gets my brain wired and I really shouldn't do that. But I do. Maybe one of these days I'll change my evil ways. Until then, this is Rich Grimshaw and you are invited to join me again tomorrow where we may do some more magic or we might just be dull as beans. Who knows? Thanks for listening. Thank you.